Park, 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 Welcome back to another episode of Part 3 Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, J.R. Smith. This is Stephen Marvin. Obviously, we are not in the studio. We are at Las Vegas here at Top Golf. We're going to hit some balls, talk to y'all about modern-day golf like we always do, chop it up. Well, y'all was just in the preserve. I missed it, had a family affair, couldn't make it, but how'd it go? It was good. We did, uh, there was about 80 of us, so we focused more on quality over quantity. A lot of times we do those tournaments like 150 people. So this time there was about 70 of us. And uh, the preserve, for the first time, they let us do like uh, a tournament, which they normally didn't. So I was telling everybody, I'm either going to get a seat on the board or I'm going to get kicked out, basically, <laughs> bringing that Motley crew around. <laughs> it was not your typical uh, country club crowd, right? We had Jesus there, Eric Lottery, had the nudes, black fingernails, long hair, tattoos, <laughs> screaming shots every other 10 minutes, you know, that was happening. Maltos and all them, and then Q was out there, Josh Allen and, and Kyle Allen, which was great to have those dudes. Meta was there, Meta World Peace, that was my switch. first time to chill with him. I played with him nine holes. Uh, the, the, the day after we played, he's obsessed. He never had a lesson and Ron was trying to help him. And that was interesting. That was interesting. Just Meta. Meta, I was trying to get Meta to go foraging for mushrooms. He was hanging out with my, with my man Curtis. So yeah, there was a couple members and then the members were following around Josh Allen and some of those guys. Yeah. We didn't do a tournament, so we had no scorecards. Oh, that's dope. It's just like everyone just wins. Outplaying. Just go play. And you can play a foursome, a eightsome, a twosome. You can keep score if you want. You don't have to keep score. But that was one of the first times we've done that. And it made me question, like, why in the hell would you ever want to, like, no one cares on that, like, four-ball scramble. It's right. all weird. And everyone's like, yo, you cheated. Or there's so much going on. And people shoot, you know, 18 under or 18 holes. It's like, it's just going to set for people to feel weird. And at the right. end of the day, like, who gives a shit? So we just did a a celebration of golf, and we just have fun. The weather was perfect. You watched Pebble Beach? Yeah. You watched the tournament? Yeah. And what do you think? I think it's probably one of the prettiest courses I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Shot for shot. I mean, I don't think, I don't, it doesn't look like there's a bad spot on that course. I mean, you could be in some bad spots, but I'm saying like just as the, no, as the layout, it looks pretty sick. I think, uh, Wyndham Clark was fucking amazing. I we mean, played with him, we, I say we, Jason. So Jason, um, so we're on the range, first day at Spyglass. Jason always likes to go all the way left on the range. So we're all the way down on the left. He's hitting balls, everything's good. And here comes Wyndham. And I've known Wyndham for years. So Wyndham's walking down, he walks up, he goes, ah, Fuck, Team Marvin. You know, he starts he talking shit immediately. Oh, Team Marvin, like, here we go. And Jason's like, you know you wish you could wear these clothes. So it just immediately <laughs> starts fucking, they start fucking with each other. That's dope. And so that was exciting, but to play with him, Jason was up, like, I think Jason shot four under at Spyglass and Wyndham shot like around even or one under or some shit. So he was up a few and then Wyndham played good on, on Friday Bet not good, but better than Jason. Jason shot one under. So basically, uh, Jason started off a few ahead of him on Saturday. I mean, on Friday, ended a few behind him because uh, Jason wasn't hitting it quite perfect. And then, uh, and then Wyndham just went crazy. He had two eagles on the front. They shot 28, 28 on the front. That's eight under and eight in ten and nine holes. Two eagles. And then on, when he was coming in, we were we were watching it there too. He left a birdie putt on 17, like a half a roll short, and then left the eagle putt on 18, 18. like a cup short. Yep. But both of them were back; they were dead center. If he just hit it a teeny bit harder, 
But those greens are tricky for those guys. For him to shoot that is insane because it was really wet. And then all the footprints and everything. So, the, so like, I was watching Jason where, like, he have a sliding putt and he knows the read. It's like a one-foot sliding to the right. But within, like, two foot of a six-foot putt slider, it hits a bump. And when it hits a bump, it immediately makes it break way more. Right. So, it like, slows it down and makes it break even more. So, the fact that he shot 60, broke the course record, very impressive. He's a, he's a, he's a nice guy. So that's good. He won the U.S. Open, then he went maybe won another when he won that one. I'm sure top ten dudes really wanted another day, and I bet Wyndham was just like, "I'm good. Thank God, it's over. <laughs> I don't have to go out there and get stalked by <laughs> Did ten you see what pros." He said after, what? Did you see what he said after about Liv? Uh huh. They say he plays for his legacy. Oh yeah, I did see that. I saw a meme. Yes, it's uh. The whole live thing, I've it's like I hear two sides of it. Like one side, you got like Rory basically saying like, "It's all good, just let him back out here," right? You know, because he's so had it's, enough. It's better for the game. It's better for the game, and he's like, it may be, he what did he say? You know, he thought he, it was too judgmental on him. Yeah, it's too judgmental on him, so he backtracked a bit, which is right. I think is better. And then I still hear there's other people that are like, "Oh, if they come back, they need to be penalized." They're this, that, and the other, and it's weird when like. A grown dude's trying to penalize another up here, right? Right? Like, you guys were buddies two years ago, playing together, and then all of a sudden this, that, whoop wop happens, and now it's like, uh, you should penalize them. Like, for what, though? He's like, you're not God. Like, <laughs> I mean, what's going on? But I think that's more or less, like, more on the lines of just, Wishing you took the money. Because at the end yeah. of the day, I mean, you can't get mad at those guys. Be mad at the people at the PGA because they decided to do the partnership without telling you. Exactly. Or like, yeah, like say to them, like, look, you guys led us to believe that you weren't down with this situation. Right. And then you turned out more down with it than Phil Mickelson. Right. So y'all need to pay us. Don't penalize him. Nope. And, and also, if you penalize him, you're not getting the money. It'd be different if you're like, okay, if he wants to come back, he he give me a million, he can come back. Right. I get it. I get that. That makes sense. But just to penalize them isn't going to help your bank account or, or feed your daughter. It's weird without with the way it's divided because you got, I mean, we're in Vegas right now and the lives here. There's a lot of big names out there. There's more big names out there than there were at Pebble last week. And Pebble last week was what, 40 of the top or 20 of the top players in the world or something. So it was like, what do they call it, a, a signature event, right? Right. No cuts, all the biggest stars in the game were out there. And it doesn't seem like they had much more star power, if any, than, than what Liv has this week during Super Bowl. No. I mean, they got Rory, they got Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, Jason Day. Tony Finau. It's good. It's good. There's some names. Yeah, but you got Brooks, DJ. Yeah. Uh, Rom. John Rom now. Like, you got Cam Smith. Like, come on. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, everyone should want all those dudes to play against each other. That's why the majors I mean, are so great. Right. Right? Like, it's like when you go to Augusta and Rom's going to be out there and, like, and, and Phil and Rom and Garcia, like, those dudes all... One master, Sergio. Yeah, right. Like he won. He's coming. Yeah. I think Sergio Brooks. got like. I think Sergio got second place in Mexico, and and uh, and uh, John Rom got third or something like that. I know Rom got third, and then uh, no, Brooks and DJ won the U.S. and the Masters, right? Uh, DJ, I believe, did. I don't think Brooks won it. He keeps almost winning it. Remember, he was beating Rom. That's what. Yeah, he yeah, crumbled. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he's almost won it, but. The majors are really all that really matters now, and it really used to be the only thing that matters, but now it's really all that matters when you consider who's going to be in the field. Right. And they got to love it. Got you know, to. like, Rory has to love it when he he's, he wants to win and beat everybody, not beat a, a shortened group. field because these dudes are playing in another. So, I don't know. I imagine they're trying to figure it out. They did do something recently. Did you read or see that they raised money? 1.5 billion. The tour has turned from a nonprofit to a profit business. And there's a group of people who own like, I don't know, the Falcons and yeah. the Bills or some shit. Mm -hmm. They 
they put 1.5 billion in to make it a for-profit business. So that automatically changes. That's the first time it's ever been like that. And Notori is cool, man. They do raise a lot of money for like local charities and shit. Like hundred oh, percent. In, in, uh, in Pebble, Monterey Peninsula Foundation, they raise money for like the Pebble Beach Junior Golf Association. They raise money for, you know, youth on course. They're throwing hundreds of thousand dollar checks all over for young kids in golf, et cetera. So I imagine that's what happens in almost every market. You know, right now the waste management's going on and that's the Thunderbirds. Like they've been famous for doing a good deeds, right? right? I mean, I, I think that that's the one thing about the tour is always been foundation based and it's always been more about, you know, giving back. And I think golf is, is just that kind of culture, kind of etiquette. But I also see the profit in it as far as when you got somebody like Liv coming up and competing and who really don't give a damn about an ROI stealing your best players, you're going to have to change something up. And raise more money to yeah. not let people take your guys. Exactly. Even like even a tournament like Waste, or let's just say the Players' Championship. Granted, it's not a major, but the players Close look forward. It. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. literally like the fifth major. Yeah. So you got guys like, you know, DJ and Brooks and Cam and uh, John Rahm who, who aren't playing in the players. It's just like... Remember last year? Tournament. He went out there. Cameron Smith went out there last year. I think he won it the year before or something, but he went out. They couldn't let him play, and he went out and watched it or something, or said he was going to go watch it. Because <laughs> he lives there. He lives like 10 minutes away from the course. He's like, I'm going to go out and watch it with the boys, you know? Imagine, <laughs> like, he's not allowed to play in it, but he could buy a ticket and go in. Right. So, what do you think about Tiger's new brand? A new line dropping on Tuesday. Uh, Victory, was it Victory Red? No. Sunday Red. Sunday Red. He's got a little tiger logo. And I think it's good, first of all. I think it looks reminds me of like a, a, a stamp, like a stamp from like Japan or something, like a, the, the artwork. It also reminds me a little bit of Arteryx logo, La, La Tiger, La Tigra logo, and like a Lacoste alligator, if you will. So it's just a small tiger from what I've seen. And um, I think that the tiger with that Asian stamp vibe has like, I think 18 lines or 48, whatever amount of tournaments he won in his life, it has that many in points or something, and it has 18 lines, which has to do with like 18 holes of golf. So I think the branding is is great. Personally, I think it's cool. I think uh, as a designer myself, a graphic designer or whatever, like it's a good logo. It's a very, very, very well-funded um, company and you got the legacy of him, and then you have his son together. I'm curious to see if like other players will leave and go and wear. You know what I mean? It's right. like Jordan. It's yeah. to some degree, right? You have like Melo and them wore Jordan, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's kind of an interesting thing of when you see it that way. Like Sheffield yeah. was telling us on the thing that when. He was on Nike, and then he would wear Jordan, and then Nike got mad, and then Jordan and him were fucking around, and he's like, won't you put me on? And Jordan's like, all right, I'm going to put you on, you know? And it's right. like, when he asks, he's like, I'm on. Right. There's not like a – so I, I can't imagine a younger player that, that Tiger likes. If Tiger calls you and says, hey, you want to rock? Like, it's Tiger Woods. Like, of right. course you're going to wear his clothing, 100%. right? I mean, especially to start. It's not only about the check. It's more about being a part of that type of legacy and brand and having that tutelage being up on the Tiger like, like it would be for MJ. Powerhouse. You could get more money with Nike than you could with 100%. Jordan, but you go with Jordan because he's the GOAT. He's the GOAT. Yeah. Makes sense. And then I think so. I, I believe, obviously, TaylorMade is the one who registered all the trademarks and all that stuff. From my understanding, starting a new company in Carlsbad called Sunday Red. I think there's like 50 open spots on LinkedIn. So they're staffing it very, you know, aggressively mm. to run it as a proper business. And um, TaylorMade has top two, three distributions in the world, right? right. I mean, maybe Titleist, but TaylorMade's got to be. I mean, for, for distribution, I, I would yeah. say, I would say TaylorMade because, I mean, yeah. as much as I love, I love Titleist and play Titleist all the time, but I don't think they're, they're more legacy opposed to product based. Like yeah. Taylor May has so much 
shit that coming out consistently. Like, yeah, and I mean, you got to figure Callaway, Titleist, TaylorMade, those are the three biggest distributions for golf globally. Yeah. So I think that when T- Callaway bought Travis Matthew, they had done like 60 million maybe. And then within like two years, they got to 600 million. <laughs> so it's like, get out of the way. Turn the faucet on and add another zero to the to the millions, just like that. You know, when you got that situated, you obviously have international deals and distribution deals, tailor-mates everywhere on earth. Yeah. And with Tiger's, you know, legacy, I don't see how it can't work. And then again, they got Charlie, they're gonna drop that. I heard they're doing shoes as well. So that's, oh, that's interesting. Right? So shoes, clothes. I heard they're doing like high-end, like luxury stuff, like like red trench coats and like Ooh. new super modern like futuristic fabrics and in fabrications and like so it's interesting to see and you got to imagine they had to give the tiger got a load of money and then they got to staff 100 people build new offices build new design take designers for footwear from footjoy or from nike or for whoever so they're building this whole situation and it's just like the opposite of like, like what we've done. Ours was built. We we had to make a lot of decisions due to being underfunded. You know what I mean? Does Charlie get his own check? I'm sure. Charlie probably owns a quarter of that fucking company. <laughs> Charlie I gotta make there. sure man, Charlie get his own bag, Charlie's man. Lit. He can't be yeah. looking at the looking at the pops. Like, he's yo, not even he's not even thinking about going pro. Like, he's not, like, I'm good. I'm I already good. got I got mean? more money than Pops for got what? from golf forever. Forever. <laughs> Just for the jump. I'm, I made more off my 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 new brand than my dad made playing golf. Ever. Ever. Yeah, the, That's the, crazy. So I heard all that, and then I think they're gonna. They, from I understand, like focus on like Tiger's Asian side a bit, mm-hmm. kind of kind of vibes. So yeah, I think it's all interesting. I think Monday at Riviera Week, he's doing something to launch it. They're, they are doing like a big, you know, he just posted something like same vision or something with yeah. his eye all up close, Tiger vision. But Tiger's sick. He's playing. You know, someone asked the other day, "Does like anybody have?" the same star power as Tiger. No. It's like. No. I mean, not to me. No, not to anyone. Not even close. You see the crowd. Like, I saw him out at Riviera, like, three years ago, four years ago, maybe pre- just before COVID or something, and it was, like, Rory and Brooks and this one and that one. They'd have, like, six people following them. Their wives, their parents, their coach. Right. That's it. Every other person on the entire golf course was following Tiger. Not if he's playing good or bad. No, it doesn't matter. They just want to see him hit the ball and yell at him and shit. Me and Remy did some videos back in the day. It's called Malbin on the Range. And so I had to go and uh, I did it for scratch. You know, scratch. So they had me just randomly walking up to pros on the range and just start talking to them. So that's when I actually met Wyndham and uh, all these dudes. So they'd be hitting balls and I have to just walk up. So, what are you hitting, a gap wedge? Like, I just trying to make small talk with these dudes, and dude, they were looking at me like, get the fuck away from me. Like, they don't like the press, they're nervous, you got some man fan standing behind and talking <laughs> to them. So I said, I was like, I'm not comfortable with this. Like, can I bring Remington? Because, you know, that changes sure. it. When you bring a little kid, the kid can walk Soften up and up. talk. It softens them, makes them human, et cetera. But one of the episodes was hunting the big cat. And it was me and Remy. And we went around the whole golf course in Detroit. I think. Oakland Hills. And we were, we were wandering around the course trying to get close to him. And we could get really close. And then Remy mm. would be like, hey, Tiger. Hey, 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 goat. Goat, Tiger. And this dude just tunnel vision walk right by him. Over and over and over. The whole, the whole, the whole episode is him just getting dissed by Tiger. Basically, Tiger never even acknowledged him once. He's up all close. Tiger, Tiger. My boy just <laughs> walk right by him, and at the end, Remy's like, "What's wrong with him? His ears don't work. His ears don't work." But that Tiger, fucking, he is trained to lock in, and like you, I guess that's what has to happen when you have. Every person on the course following you. Every person. And not one person not watching you, not looking at you. And that's been like that forever. I mean, that footage of when he won East uh, East Lake Lake or whatever, right? It's like... When him and Rory walked up. 
Yeah, Rory was like, I got to get out of here. He said, yo, good work. I'm going over there. <laughs> this shit is giving me anxiety. I can't even walk by you, let, let alone play. I feel like that was one of the best moments in golf that I've seen in my history. Like, because you know you always see, like, the old guys. Like, you see Jack and Arnie walking in the, in the galleries, like, literally coming behind them. To see as many people that he had, like Tiger brings out to the course, and then to see everybody walking about, that picture has, and has Atlanta. to be. Yeah. You know, so it's like, uh -oh. that picture has to be in somebody's house. Yeah, that shit in his house. For sure. That made me cry. I started crying when that was happening. I was like, I couldn't take it. And then also, like, his son hugged him, like his dad hugged him, or like, I was just, it just made me emotional. Tiger's the goat. I can't wait to see just him out there. I'm thinking, like, Man, he hadn't played since uh, he played a he 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 bailed on Augusta. He was all muddy and fucked up, and he wasn't playing great, so he he withdrew. And then I think he played his thing at the Bahamas. Yep. And then he hadn't played since, so this is his first time back, and he's the playing host. That's what he wrote on his Instagram. I'm I'm proud to be the playing host. He's like, so he's playing and hosting the Genesis at Riv. Oh, talking about ribs. So remember, I was telling you the. Uh, so we did a curb your enthusiasm collaboration. Larry David. Larry David trains with Ron Del Barrio. You know, everyone knows Ron. And so we had a shop on on Fairfax where he used to live around the corner, or whatever. But Larry used to come in in the mornings with Ron at like 7 a.m. So basically, I remember one time he was in there hitting, and then fan customers would start coming in, and they shut the door, and there's like three or four Japanese cus customers in there. And the door was shut. They're like, can we go in there? Can we go in there? And it's like, nah, someone's in there. And then, and then like 10, 10, 15 minutes later, Larry had to use the bathroom. So the, the Japanese dudes are in the shop shopping and all of a sudden the door opened. And it's like Larry's face, just Larry's head, right? And they were all like shocked when they saw it was Larry David. The whole capsule we focused on like all the moments in the show that have to do with golf because he's a real golfer and he's a member of Riviera. And so there's a president of the golf course, the real president of the golf of Riviera is named uh, Michael Yamaki. So Michael Yamaki is the president of Riviera and there's a Japanese dude who we use as the model in Curb that is the fake Michael Yamaki and they can't shoot it at Riv because it's private but they shoot it at other courses but it's all based around whatever. So the Black Swan, everybody knows the story, Larry killed the Black Swan, it was the friend, da 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 da. And so I had dinner with Michael Yamaki in Orlando at the trade show. Mm -hmm. And I show Mr. Yamaki, I show him the photos of the Japanese actor. And he goes, you know, that's me. Like, that's supposed to be me. I said, obviously, that's why I'm showing it to you, you know? And he's like, and that fucking swan, the black swan. He said, the black swan is a metaphor for the tree. And I said, what tree? He said, this true story. I can't prove it, but this is a true story. So Larry's house, Larry David's house is on Riviera. And there's a view of the course, but there's a big tree in the way blocking his view. All of a sudden, the tree dies. So Yamaki and the greenskeepers, superintendent, whoever, they all go out to the tree. And Yamaki said that they had a, he could see they drilled holes in the root system. <laughs> and you could see the little like spiral wood from someone drilling a hole in all the roots. And then they put poison in the holes, in the roots, and they killed the tree, right? He said, I can't prove it, I couldn't prove it, but I knew it was Larry. And I said, damn, right? And I said, what did you do? He said, no, I did like it, The Godfather. I just said to myself, whoever brings this to me first is the one who killed the tree, right? And The Godfather, like whoever comes and tells right. you is like, that's who that's did it. So he said, five months go by, nothing. No one mentions the tree. Five months, here comes Larry in the office. Hey, um, did you notice? I just noticed there was a tree dead out on number 10 or whatever the hell, the tree he killed. And then he said, no, I didn't notice it. And so it was Larry who was the one who came to him and said, this tree's dead, can't you take the tree down? So he said he left the tree up for another year. And the, the black swan is a metaphor for killing the tree. But you imagine Larry out there, like real life, not even on curb, just him like having coffee in the morning being like, 
I'm getting rid of this tree. <laughs> I'm getting rid of this fucking tree. <laughs> I'm getting rid of this fucking Some tree. <laughs> Who do you call to kill a tree? Dion. You know what I mean? You know, Dion in the show. <laughs> his boy. Yeah, someone like that he called. One of his homies he called up. Hey, I got a little project for you. Hey, We're going to fucking take care of this tree once and for all. <laughs> <laughs> so that was fun, Mr. Yamaki. That rib is crazy. I was thinking of not the, I mean, I got, I got fucking, I got, I came to my reality real quick. Half a mil to join, if they'll let you in. And then they it's all set up, half a mil, blah, blah, blah. And then they're like, oh, and by the way, you also have to donate 300 grand to a charity we choose. Well, why don't you just say it's 800 grand? <laughs> I mean, just no, no big deal, another 300K. Like, how in the hell? No chance, no chance. I, we, our last time I seen you, we was at uh, Orlando. How, how did the yeah. show go? Good. Fun. Show yeah, was good. The capsule was fire. Yeah, we had a, a nice booth. We designed it properly, like a nice brand experience, not just like a, a shit booth where you have, you know, we designed and built the whole thing, whatever. So that's great to have that. And then um, we have like seven reps now. So the reps bring in appointments from their regions. So we have like a, you know, a jersey, to, to, I don't know, New York, Jersey person. Then you got like a mid-Virginia, North Carolinas. Then you got a uh, Georgia to Florida. And then you got Canada, LA, or, or Northern California, Southern California, Arizona, Texas, and then like Wisconsin, Midwest type mm -hmm. of deal. So it was really good because we were getting into clubs. Like basically, you know how it is. People are like, those dudes are all like blue blazers and khakis and they're like, kind of nervous to even come in a booth for sure right just right off the bat they're like uncomfortable so um i think we did a good job at being like you know they they think like well marvin is like this this and this right, well right. sure we are but we're also this this and this you mm -hmm. know and i think that was a good way to like present it and be mindful and pay attention to people's feelings and um we presented an evergreen collection performance collection footwear putters youth and so, yeah, we've gotten in a couple hundred really, really good clubs like Muirfield, Hazeltine, Maidstone, Sabonic, Shell Club, like Dang. some sick ones that I can't even believe we're in. And um, there's been a lot since then, like a lot of uh, accounts opening accounts or, right. or whatever. They got to go through a first process of like getting all the computers situated to, to do the orders. Mm -hmm. So the orders are following, and I think we got to like March 1st to tally up the orders, and then all that stuff delivers like September, starts delivering for the fall, winter. But yeah, it was cool. I went to the little demo day. I walked around that shit, saw some, uh, hung out with some other booths, you know, went by. Oh, Evian sponsored us. Evian sponsored it, so I had glass mm -hmm. bottles of Evian with Marvin oh, on it. And then on Saturday, I just ran around. I gave a case of that shit to, like, the east side of Grayson, Jones, all the homies were just coming out like, here, here's a case of water. Like, who doesn't need a case of water on the last day of the trade show after they've been drinking and Thanks. talking and exhaustion has set in? What's the dopest part about the show, like, for you? Like, just not, and not even just your booth, but, like, it's for me, like seeing all these like golf carts and shit. Like, yeah, the carts are the lit. carts. Is Saw crazy. that monster one, with yeah. the big tires and all you that. You see it with Shelby one. Like they got that shit is dope. And then I think that stuff, the technology stuff, yeah. the simulator area, all of all, I like all of it though, man. I'm like such a golf fan that like I like all the little weird gadgets and little teeny small booths with just one person. Yeah. And then I like the big ones too, like Foot Joy, like. I'm such a fan. I, I, it's weird. Like people are like, you know, like someone the other day was like, what brands in this kind of new creative golfer world do you not like? I'm like, I like all of them. All right. I like Travis Matthew. I like Foot Joy. I like every brand, the biggest ones and the, the smallest ones. Right. Like I love a little mom and pop making handmade head covers. It's like I'm a fan of this so stuff. Dope. Yeah, and it's funny because I think golf is like the only sport that's really like that for me. Like, growing, like even growing up, like it had to be Nikes or Jordans or something like that. Like until I, I started playing for like an Adidas team or something. But it was that was like, in order to be fresh, in order to feel like you needed to play, it was always like a certain type of look. And golf is, is so many dope, different 
unique things around the whole, even just the accessories, ball yes. markers and teas. All of like that. All of it. Tea companies, I'm on. It, I love what? it. Like, I think, and for me, it's like, it's very hard to just stick with one look anyway. Yeah, like the clubs, like, I like Mira, I like Hanma, I like Titleist, I like right. Vokey wedges, I like those Jaws wedges the Calibre makes, I like TaylorMade wedges, I like, I like all driver, of them, like. I like all of it. It's weird, but I'm not, I, I, I'm like you, I don't have like, where I'm like, oh, I only like TaylorMade. Like, I love Titleist. Yeah. I love TaylorMade too. I love uh, Callaway. I love the history of it. I love Big Bertha. I love TaylorMade burners and I love, Callaway Big Bertha's. Like, I remember all that as my life, like playing golf when I was little. Like he's Sasquatch. Yeah, like all of that stuff, dude. I'm so into all of it. And like, I think that's the coolest thing of like where golf is, is like the, you know, people will say like, oh, I don't like that course. That's, that course is too easy. I'm like, I haven't found an easy one yet. Like, I Not like every golf course. I never found a golf course I didn't like. Sure. I've never found a course where I was like, I hated that course. Right. It's still golf. It's still fun. Still Whether I'm in the shots. It's still interesting, right? And right. if it's like, you know, no dress code, $30 to play, people pushing the little buggies, that vibe That's I rough. love. I love that and I love like the Floridian. You know, it's like, right. it's just different, but it doesn't mean one's better than the worst. It's still like, I've been in, when I was down in Florida, fuck with you, I went and played that, uh, the park. Park. It's Incredible. great. Incredible. Great. That's my home club now. <laughs> yeah, like that practice facility, that big putting range, they got lit, uh, lights, light, lit nine hole course. Yeah. Like 30 bucks to play that, walk uh, the nine hole. What's that, track man on, um... The swing uh, on a range, every every stall has its get your yardages, spin rates, all that shit. Great little bar restaurant yep. with the with the with the uh, like a tiki bar or something out there. It's mm -hmm. great. I took the kids there, and I think they're doing the uh, they're doing the match there. Yeah. Right. Yep. Who's doing it? Men and women. Is it? Oh, it's a. It's two a, PGA it's pros and two LPGA. Two LPGA yeah. Rose is doing it. Yeah. We just shot Rose. We use Rose as one of the models when we did the Adidas drop, and then we use Scar. Scarface. So Scarface was great. That was surreal. I went to art school in Atlanta and I've been a fan of like the South and hip hop from the South forever. And like Scarface is just fucking Scarface. It's like, but he's good, dude. Claude Harmon trains him. Oh, really? See, he, 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 he don't want y'all to know it, but he's a six handicap. He'd tell you he's 16, you know what I mean? <laughs> he's that guy. He's that guy. Sam I'm a 16. You see him hold the club, you're like, oh, I'm fucked. Sam Give him fucking six boy. aside, you're gonna have your hands full. <laughs> <laughs> you have a hard time beating him. He's good, a little buttery swing. Yeah, he's great though. He's obsessed. So you got in the Super Bowl, Doc. Super Bowl here this weekend, San Francisco. And the Chiefs. I was about to say, I don't even know who's playing. Yeah, I, I drew a blank for a second. San I Francisco, I go with them because of... Uh, Close to Monterey? Yeah, and Q and Q loves the, the oh, 49ers. Yeah. Q's a super 49er fan. And yeah, in the Bay, or where I live, Monterey is close enough where like the airplane today coming down from San Jose that's loaded with... Yeah, and then Kansas City's cool. Killer Trav and Killer them, right? That's the only reason why I'm going for him. Yeah, and then, and then Patrick Mahomes, I hear he's done what like no one else has ever done or something, right? Yeah. With his victories and rings. Yeah, and if he wins this, I think they definitely putting him up there with Montana and Brady's for sure. The Montana, I just saw a video. Post was about him being like a great football player and a great husband. And it basically, he was explaining how he would sit on the sideline while the defense was on. And he said, there's always a phone there. And he's just like, fucking one day, just picked that shit up and hit like nine. And he got a drink dial tone. And so he just called his whole house number. And his wife answered and he's like, what are you guys doing? She's like, wait a minute, like, aren't you, aren't you playing? He's like, well, I'm not right now. I just wanted to see how are you doing, honey? You know, like like the greatest husband ever. So then it became a part of his routine during the game. Joe Montana just called his wife every game. Just no big deal. Like they're out there playing like, what are, what are the kids doing? How are the dogs? <laughs> I miss you guys. Like I'll be home tomorrow. 
Fucking That's Joe fucking Montana. He's the GOAT, too, right? Oh, for sure. He's probably the best. I mean, Tom Brady. You gotta give Tom Brady, Joe Montana. Yeah, I mean, it's an argument. Oh well, who's the other dude that played for Jersey? Joe Broadway Joe. Broadway Joe. Nah, not really. You got Marino. Marine Dan Marino. And what about uh, John Elway? Elway was dope. Elway was definitely. So Patrick Mahomes is working in that direction with that with that group. I mean, some of them he damn near he there. Tom because of Super Bowls, but I think. It's Dan the man with the stats. Really? Dan Marino with the stats. Stats, still. Yeah. He's got the stats. Well, technically, Drew Brees got the stats now. I mean, out of that caliber, Dan, Dan's got the stats, and Tom's got the rings. And I guess what? Patrick Mahomes has done it all really quickly. Very quickly. Yeah. I mean, this is what? Four Super Bowls in five years? What about basketball? LeBron has, didn't he just break something? Scoring record. Scoring Last record year. ever. Most scored ever? Ever. How many? 32, no, 38,000, 38,320. And what's the next guy? 30, Close? Yeah. He I barely mean, beat him. That's no, 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 he's, he's, he's still, well, see the thing now, every time he plays, he's breaking his own record. Yeah. And the, know, the, the number two is an old timer? Yeah, Carl Malone. Carl Malone, wow. How about Tony, the mailman? I was just thinking that Carl Malone made me think of Utah, so I saw Tony out there at, at uh, Pebble, and I was fucking with Tony, and He's like, come over to the, uh, come over to the house. I'm staying at my friend's house on 18 at Pebble. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, I gotta get the kids. I gotta do this. I can't go. And then he's like, oh, it's all good. I'll see you tomorrow, whatever. He's like, you sure? It's, a, it's my friend's house. Nah, I can't go, Tony. And then so then I saw his agent, um, Armstrong. I said, yo, who's his friend? You know? He's like, oh, Steve something. He owns the Utah Jazz. Like Tony's just laid off. <laughs> no big deal. Ordering, ordering uh, the tap room. They're ordering oh, takeout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just sitting, just laid sure. up. And so on 18, when I walk, when I was walking, um, Jason was actually putting for Eagle on 18, and I was walking up and I saw Armstrong and he. I got a text that said, "Look right." I looked right, and he's sitting out there by a little fire, like basically two houses down from the clubhouse on 18. That's where they stayed. They're great. Tony and his wife and all them great. You hung with them? I played uh, the BMW. I played, what, nine holes with the BMW? It's great. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, he's so oh, cool. I, I like Tony. I think I had that wrong, too. I think um, Kareem had the record. Kareem was number one. Carmelo was two. And what's the difference? What what I've been speaking to people about it with golf, but, like, you know, in golf, I'm sure even in basketball, like, there's been thousands of people who play basketball, and I can only really remember, like, 10 of them if I tried, right? Like, right. but like same with golf, right? Like you take that normal person, they're gonna tell you Jack, Arnold, Tiger, right? So like, what's, what do you think it is? It's not the skill, like. No, it's not the it's skill. It's not the amount of training they do. I mean, maybe kinda, but like you gotta figure all the PGA players, they all treat it like a job, yeah. right? They're working there, they're clocking in and clocking out and same with you guys when you played, I'm sure. A lot of, I think a lot of it has to do with era. You know, like, obviously, like, great players come and go. I mean, it's hard, because I look at it, I look at the game completely different now. It's almost like, it's almost like a soap opera. Like, back in the, when I, when I, and I hate to say, I hate to sound like one of those old players hating bitter, but when I came into the league, up until that point, until 1985, it was like two people, three people scored 60 points. Ever. No, not ever. Or I mean, just within that span, between yeah. 85 to 2004. Like two weeks ago, it was like six people score 60 in a week. And it's like now is it. Why? For one, the game has changed and they've sped it up. But also, there's no defense. To me, it's hard to give guys, certain people credit on how great they are if nobody's playing defense. Yeah. Because but when. MJ, and, and I'm not even speaking about me, but when these guys were MJ or Scotty or Magic and Bird, and when they were doing it at the highest level and they're the, considered the best players, they're guarding the next best person on that team. They had to play defense. And they're not, they're play not defense just running. Off, they're not yeah. just running and gunning, and then I'll go sit in the corner while the, the, somebody else guards the, the, yeah. the best player on their team. No, they go, they take the matchup, and now it's just They so like much. the matchup. Exactly. Yeah. And now it's more predicated on hiding the guy on on defense just so you can use all of his offense. And fast like, him down. Just break out, run early, right. throw him the ball. But what about with golf? Like, 
the difference between super good college kid and the PGA Tour guys, like physically, training-wise, and ability to hit shots, there's not, they're not very much different, no. right? Like if, they t if we were at Topgolf, if they took, you know, if they went at it right here, hitting at those targets, like I, I can't imagine you could always pick the PGA guy. No, no. Right? Like, they're the same here. But they're the same in practice. Because when it's nut crunching time, man, some, some people just clamp up. Yeah. That's why it's like practice is always, like, the best because the guy who can't play in front of everybody in practice, he's killing. Yeah. You see his natural ability come out. You see him just... Because no, there's no pressure, no nothing. Yeah. And that's where you get the real raw and the best basketball. But when you get out there, that shit is hard. And so On the top dude, of possessions and who's got who's to gotta get the ball and everything else, so it's hard to get rhythms and shit like that. So. And when you were playing, like, obviously, like, if you were with, on the Cavs, like, LeBron's, like, the best guy on the team, right? Yeah. And then there's a couple dudes that probably I would never even know their names that were, like, on the bench a lot, et cetera. But in practice, they're kind of the same. And then LeBron goes out there and it's just. Nah, not even, not with him. I ain't know the same. Nothing no, no him. one. No. Nah. No. Nah. So it's a <laughs> mentally, like, that's what I mean, though. Like, how is he such a sicko or Jordan or Kobe? Like, there's only a few. Oh, no, I mean, there's only a few. Who, I mean, they, but they got it, though. They got, like, they're just born. Just God they got a tick gift. different yeah. in their head. A hundred percent. Yeah. But the thing about, the thing I, I mean, some me and some of the other people respect about LeBron and Kobe, like, I don't, and I don't know it to the extent with MJ, but, like, these dudes work on that shit every day. Like, Bron is every single day, nonstop, lifting weights, progressively trying to get 1% better every single day. Mm -hmm. Like, I hear stories about Mike back in the day, and so I know he's had, he played 36 holes yeah. a day. Yeah, yeah. 72 holes so a day. So he'd be golfing so and then go out there. So he was just a sicko yeah, mentally. Right. Hates losing he's, so much he only has one choice. His competitive nature and drive was so far beyond. And then he, if you have that and you have a speck of athletic ability, let alone big-ass hands, and you really got it, you're going to demolish everybody. Mm -hmm. It ain't even close. We're talking about a, play, a player who's coming back soon. And uh, my wife and I were talking about it. And... Uh, She's like, well, well, what do you think? Like, does this player have the chance to, like, you know, do well? And I was thinking of, like, Lucci and Remy. Like, Luciano, he doesn't really care if, if he loses that much. Remington hates losing. Hates it. And so I don't think you could, I don't think I could put that hate for losing in Lucci, mm -hmm. but I don't think I could take it out of Remy either. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You can't mm -hmm. teach someone. Like, you could teach someone a short game. You could teach somebody a yeah. drill or whatever 100%. the fuck. But you can't teach them to be a killer. Can't and you can't make a killer not be a killer. Right. You can't take that shit out. So no, nah, you can. It's easier to take it out. It's easy to take a killer and turn them into something. Softer. Softer. Yeah, soften them up. Than it is to take a soft person and make them a killer. Hard. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's so many guys who are just happy to be there. There's so many people who just get to that standpoint and just like, damn, this is pretty fucking good. I, I can kick back. Yeah. It's hard when you sitting on two, three hundred million to go back to the gym every single yeah. day. That's yeah. what like LeBron is like, bro, you're the highest paid person in our game on it, on and off the court. And you show up every single day. That's what that's where the respect and this shit is different. Even with, same thing with Kobe. They showing up. All day, every day, they're putting their all into it. So when you see the certain shit come come from it, to me, I'm not surprised because look what he do every day. That's his life. That's, that's He set it up like that. Now, don't get me wrong. Basketball was my life, but I had a lot of other shit that was important to me. Yeah. And I think a lot of players is like that to where it's... it's, it's it breeds frustration within so many different people because they look at it as not necessarily being competitive to what they deem what's being competitive. 
Like when you, I listen to Charles and those dudes talk on TV and shit, it's like, oh man, he should be playing, he should be doing this, he should be doing that. It's like, yeah, but at the same time, if you didn't have to do the shit you was doing, you probably wouldn't do it either. Yeah. If nobody's putting the guns in his head saying he got to play X amount of games and, and minutes per game and this and that, he you wouldn't have did it either. Yeah. And you gonna still give me two, three hundred million? Yeah. Like the tour too. It's like there's a lot of those dudes out there that are just completely happy with getting 30th place each week. Each week. Each just week. Just get 100 grand a week. Yeah. It's like you play 30 100%. tournaments a year. You get 100 grand a week. You're good. You made three million bucks. Wifey's happy. You're coming home with money. You're moving to the next one. You're paying your little little entourage. But, Everybody's happy. And then you got to think, cause go and golf is fucking hard. To, so even very. to finish 30th is, is, is very fucking, hard. I but mean, I think they've made the decision where it's like, I'm cool just finishing 30th. Like, stay just good enough to finish 20th, 40th each yeah, week. for sure. And then there's other people that just hate getting third place. Hate it. Just fucking hate it. Like, third, can't sleep second, at night. Like, yeah. yeah, second, third, so fifth. Just disgusted. I think, uh, I think Jason's like that. Like, Jason doesn't like getting second place. You know, yeah. like, he just doesn't. He's not out there to do it. He already got money. And that, like, his grind, me just, you know, being up with him for this season thus far and dressing him and meeting around and doing this, that, and the other. Like, the dude works a nine-to-five when he's not in a tournament. So last right. week he did Pebble. He went straight to Palm Springs. He'll train from nine-to-five. And then at five, he'll go get stretched. He'll do a sauna, cold plunge, eat dinner, go to bed. Wake up, seven, eat breakfast, exercise a little, stretch, go. Do nine to, to noon or one, grinding, eat lunch, grind another four or five hours, go get stretched, go get sauna, go get cold bath, you know, and that's, he'll do that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, then he'd go to Riv. So imagine how good he was when he just shot 63. And then you go put 50 hours in with your coach in perfect temperature on a sick course, I mean, they're out there training for Augusta where they're like, this shot is like the 13th in the, like the 13th hole at Augusta, the let's practice this shot. So they're sitting there hitting low hold off cut, you know, hybrids. Dude, he's got a seven wood in his bag he hits. And he can hit it high, medium, low. He was hitting three woods on the range in preparation for the windy day, he showed it to us and he was saying, this is the one he uses when he's at the open because the whole, the, the bunkers, the pop bunkers are death in, in wherever they played last year. And it was about 260 to 280 were the bunkers. And so a driver's going in them and he was hitting these like, they go like 20 foot off the ground, low bullets with like a one foot draw and get it on the ground and let it roll out like 260. 254 or some shit and stop right in front of the fucking bunkers. It's like, I'm sure you understand it too from basketball. It's like, you got different shots for different situations and you can recall, oh, remember that shot I used to do when I was 16? Oh, I yeah. need that one right now. That muscle memory. Muscle memory. You've done it so many times, it's just like, that's what for me is like falling out of bounds in, in that right corner. A lot of the times for me is like, I practice that shot. Yeah. Like I practice getting weird angles and weird passes and literally still locking in and shooting that shot, whether I'm fading left, right, backwards, forwards. I already, I've imagined it so many different times of what the defender's gonna do. I've shot in that shot so many times, so by the time the game comes, it's, it's reaction. You already know how to do it. You're confident with it. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I don't give, I mean, I don't, I don't give myself enough credit for it, but I, I don't give other guys enough credit for it on how hard that is to do that in a split second and still get it off on time, on target, and then get back and guard somebody. Yeah. And do that shit again and again. And like, shit is hard. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Like, this shit is definitely hard, but it's also, I put so much time into shooting those shots. That was that's going to be that's the only result. There's no thinking about it. Like yeah. when he says I'm pulling this shot out for the open, he's not even thinking about no. it. He know exactly he what he got to do. To yeah. He knows it. And he's done it enough where when it's windy and pebble and the wind's in the face, it's like looks at the caddy. It's like let's hold, let's hit that one. It's like yeah. they're playing call, calling plays like a football. Yes. Eight shot, seven iron, dead arms, three yard draw, visual. See it, and then it's like. 
seven iron, dead arms, goes low, doesn't spin too much, yeah. little baby draw. Uh, here's a good story. That, uh, so my boy Curtis hit me up and said, hey, I got two friends that are in town and I hate to do it, but I want to see if they could play in your tournament or your golf outing shit we did at the preserve. He can't make this shit up. So I said, yeah, that's fine. He goes, I mean, they're not like celebrities or this. I said, dude, I don't give a fuck who they are. Like, stop, bring them, let's go, no problem. And he says, yeah, they're camera dudes on uh, CBS for they're here for Pebble. It's a Monday, so like, they're gonna play with us. I said, okay, that's great, fine. They had a great time. The dude actually got drunk, he had a ball. He was drinking wine in the clubhouse over at the at the preserve, which you been, and he says he sneezed in the in the wine, and wine exploded everywhere, and everybody was wearing this yellow, uh, uh, <laughs> yellow fucking outfits, and now you got burgundy sneeze <laughs> going all over. And my boy Curtis was like, it's questionable whether he sneezed or did he just puke in his own <laughs> wine glass, right? Like we we're trying to figure out which one he did. Nonetheless, no big deal. It's Saturday. Jason's out there playing well. On number 16 at Pebble, the day before he had hit it, it, it's a flat fairway, goes out, and then it goes way down, and at the bottom it's flat, and there's these two big-ass trees. And so he hit it to the bottom the first day, and he hit it up close, made the putt, didn't make the putt, whatever, easy-ass hole. The wind was in the face, hit driver again, the driver got caught on the hill. So there's this big-ass hill, and the ball's halfway down the hill, and he's got a downhill lie with a tree on the left, and so he's got to he's got to hit a chippy nine iron with a draw around the tree from a downhill lie in the tournament with people all over the fucking green. So he fucking thins it, thins it line drive. The fucking cameraman sees that it's him, sees the ball coming at him, and said he just put his chin to his chest and tightened up. And the fucking ball hit him and went on the green. Two putt par. He said, bro, I paid for that fucking outing. I paid my fee. I paid the fee at the reserve. Don't think I did it. And so, like, uh, you can't make it up. He said any other player, he would have dove out of the way. You're not going to just take a ball to the groin. It hit, him in, it hit him in, like, the groin or some shit. And then the ball went on the fucking green, and then Jason came up two putt at par. But if not, if it didn't hit him, it was getting ready to go over the back, over the bunker, and down where like the porta potties are under trees. Mm. Like it would have been a guaranteed bogey, maybe worse from back there. But that's how no it shot. fucking works. I'm not taking no shot. Fuck that. He said he wasn't gonna take it. Any other player, he wasn't gonna take it. But he knew it was Jason, and he had such a good time at the preserve. He just <laughs> <laughs> got hit by the ball, and we got us a par. That would have been a 64 if he if he dove. <laughs> That <laughs> would have been a 63. And then I told Jay, he's like, yeah, I love that. He took one for the team. Like, exactly. Golf so fucking to go great. Back for exactly. What, uh, oh, my other buddy uh, put up a post. You know, this. Uh, uh, it's called uh, Colorado Golf Blog. Mm-hmm. My boy Lee's a fucking one of, the, one of the best. Lee does this thing, Colorado Golf Blog, and he does all these fucked up memes. And he put up a... Uh, it was like 74 degrees, and he got a photo of Jason Day walking down the fairway with the mittens on, you know? <laughs> so he made this meme. He said, he said, how is this dude, he's 74, how's he wearing mittens walking down the fairway, da 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 and he tagged Jason in it. Jason, like, responded, like, that's so funny, this, that, and the other. And then Jason sent him a pair of signed mittens. He sent him the mittens after the dude was fucking with Jay. He sent him the mittens. So we got to get on Summit Club. We got to get on, uh, we got to get on uh, the win, play a little golf while we're out Wins. here. And then uh, next steps, we're going to do another episode right now. Y'all follow along. We're going to get over there and hit some balls in the simulator. World Famous Part 3 Podcast, Stephen Mulvin, J.R. Smith. See you then.